2: Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in Santa Monica, the heart of Silicon Beach. We have a very special show for you today. We've been focusing a lot over the past five years on the issue of net neutrality. And tomorrow is a critical day on that issue as the Federal Communications Commission will vote on a proposal to actually um, create a very robust um standard for net neutrality that is bound to cause a lot of battles both in the FCC and on Capitol Hill and with us um, is a friend of the show um, Craig Aaron from um, Free Press he's the president and CEO of Free Press and um, he's coming in as a uh, as a, a substitute for um, Mr. Carr who um, unfortunately has to, leave, had to be in transit but um, Craig are you with us?
3: I am. Good Um, to be with you.
2: Thank you for coming on. Um, Craig has uh, led Free Press um, since 2011. And uh, why don't you just, for those who aren't familiar with Free Press, tell us a little about the organization.
3: Uh, Sure. Free Press is a national, nonpartisan, nonprofit organization uh, focused on protecting your rights to connect and communicate. Um, We work here in Washington, D.C. and all across the country um, trying to involve the public in important decisions uh, about the future of the media and the Internet.
2: And, you know, we're a big fan of your organization. You guys, you guys have been very much out in the forefront in the battle on net neutrality. And so, you know, obviously tomorrow is quite a pivotal day. What what do you expect to be the result tomorrow?
3: Uh, yeah, it is a historic day, I think. Um, I think this uh, vote expected tomorrow at the Federal Communications Commission uh, to put forward uh, strong authority and strong rules to protect net neutrality You know, is really nothing less than the most important win for the public interest in the FCC's history. Um, It marks a major turnaround uh, in their approach to this issue and a direct response to millions and millions of people contacting the agency and asking them to protect them. Uh, from uh, corporate abuse from big phone and cable companies dictating what they can do online, uh, I expect there to be the, the majority tomorrow to vote for these rules. Uh, and I you know I'm very excited. I think it's a very good thing.
2: So you know, for those who aren't familiar with the issue, you know, this, this issue has been going back and forth at, at various stages for about a decade now at the FCC. Um, but most recently there have been there were two court decisions that um, overturned prior FCC <laughs> rulings. And the issue seemed to be um, largely procedural. And I think the past court decisions were saying, you can do net neutrality, you just have to do it the right way. And, there was the, and the right way involved in certain um, political decisions, um, namely invoking the power under Title II of the Communications Act to regulate the Internet under the, that authority. Um, is that a fair summation of you know, how we, where I, we are? I
3: think that's a pretty accurate summation. Uh, it is all about the authority. And, and, and the problem here is, you know, this, this fight really does go back 10 years even further to when the FCC first messed things up uh, during the Bush administration back in 2002. 2002 yeah, The FCC itself changed how broadband was going to be treated under the law, and they, they sort of took it out of the part of the law that it had always governed broadband, Title Two, or what governs telecommunications, or simply two-way communication services. And they lumped it in Title I, which was really designed for websites and services like LexisNexis and things like this. And the the problem the FCC ran into, and the reason they did this is cable companies didn't want to be regulated in the same way that, you know, phone companies historically had now that they were getting into the broadband business. The problem with what they did is in in, in doing so, they, they essentially abdicated their own authority. So every time they've tried to step in and stop bad behavior, like when Comcast was caught blocking BitTorrent, Uh, Or when they tried to create uh, new rules uh, in 2010, the courts continued to reject it, saying you you yourselves have said broadband is not a common carrier service, a Title II service, so you can't apply these kind of of rules. Um, They lost twice. Uh, They were, frankly, preparing to lose a third time uh, when we saw this, you know, latest iteration of this really, you know, big political outcry, um, telling them, no, you know, why are you going in for a third strike when there's a clearly better way to do this? It's called reclassifying broadband. The FCC messed it up in the first place. They can go back and fix that mistake and make sure they have the authority to step in when there's blocking discrimination or other kinds of abuse.
2: And uh, ironically, you know, both of the court decisions were by the same judge. Um, and so net neutrality, boiled down to its core principle, is really one of non-discrimination, that oh. there, there will be no toll, toll booths and that um, there will be no discrimination by ISPs among con- content or software. Um, is is that, is that the – what? Would, what's the best way to sum, summarize really what the FCC will be voting on tomorrow?
3: Yeah, I mean I think net neutrality at its core is, is just what ensures when you go online, you can go wherever you want, do whatever you want, download whatever you want. And it's not up to the phone or cable company to decide which sites and services are going to work and which won't. Uh, And so the most important thing the FCC is going to do tomorrow is vote to restore its authority. It's going to make sure that there are rules in place that say if there's a problem with blocking or discrimination, they can do something about it. Uh, What it's going to set in motion is the ability for consumers to file complaints if they feel like they're being abused by a company. That's the most important thing. There's also going to be a lot of rules written preventing things like paid prioritization, their ability to set up fast lanes and slow lanes that favor the content owned by the big phone and cable companies over everybody else. That's what we're trying to avoid here. And remarkably, that's for once what the FCC is actually going to do, stand up to these big companies and, and do something that the public has asked them to do.
2: And the um, it seems that the turning point in this debate could have been um, something as as ups- odd as um John Oliver's hbo show where he called out the fcc chairman and made a, compared him to a dingo uh, has a has a dingo saved our internet
3: Uh, Well, you know, I think it was part of it, but I I think the real story here is one of years of organizing. I mean, we at Free Press have been working on this for a decade. Uh, uh, Lots of other groups played really key roles, Demand Progress, Fight for the Future, uh, Consumers Union, uh, the Electric Frontier Foundation, you know, on and on, who who have, have stepped up and been telling people this was happening. They created the political environment where this issue could get attention, where someone like John Oliver could make it very funny. Um, and get a lot more attention, and get to the point where you know the FCC chairman had to come out and say that you know deny that he was a dingo. <laughs> that <that's>, that <laughs> was a big turning point in this campaign, and we built again from that, right? And and there were protests all over the country. People camped out outside of the FCC in the fall. Forty thousand websites. Um, you know, held an internet slowdown, including big sites like Netflix and Tumblr. So this was really a remarkable grassroots-driven organizing effort that got the attention of somebody like John Oliver, that got the attention of the media, and you know, really changed the the, the political realities in Washington, created the space where the president could step forward and, and endorse good policy and, you know, where eventually the FCC chairman could reverse himself. Uh, he was in a really bad place in the spring, taking very harmful positions to where he is now, which is, you know, legitimately voting for what I believe are the strongest open internet protections we've seen.
2: So um, on, the, on the opposite side, you have um, Senator Cruz saying that net neutrality is Obamacare. For the internet, and then you even have Mark Cuban saying that net neutrality would totally um, mess up the internet though he used different words huh. um, so having such esteemed scholars like that on you know, the other side, clearly you Indeed. must be wrong
3: uh, yeah, and I've, i you know it's interesting i I debated Mark Cuban last week, and you know he sort of trades on this reputation uh, of being this early internet innovator and, and you know he made a lot of money, he got very lucky. Uh, in doing so, being in the right place at the right time, you know, in an Internet that was neutral. And it's like now he's trying to close the door behind him uh, so that the next Mark Cuban out there, the next Google or Facebook that's being dreamed up in a garage or dorm room, you know, won't get the same opportunities that they did. You know, I always think it's important when we talk about Mark Cuban to note that he's a paid celebrity endorser for AT&T. He's in their commercials uh, and he's, he's, he's doing his job to try to confuse things but what really encourages me is every time Mark Cuban opens his mouth to talk about net neutrality every time Ted Cruz posts about this being Obamacare for the internet you can, you can go to their uh, social media feeds and their Facebook pages and you know it is it is just example after example of people telling them, just average people, fans of theirs even, telling them how wrong they are. And and that's been the story here. The people who use the Internet, people who rely on it, you know, don't believe those lies anymore. And the record is very clear. You know, there are th- millions and millions of comments in the docket, thousands and thousands of pages of detailed comments explaining that this is the lightest touch regulation, the most basic protections to just make sure that your phone or cable company can't interfere with what you're watching, reading, or downloading. That's what needs to be protected here um, and, and, and needs to be enforced Uh, all of these companies have admitted that given the opportunity, they will discriminate. That's what they tell their own investors. That's what they talk about at trade shows. That's what they admit to under oath in court. The only place they don't admit to it is inside Washington, D.C. But, you know, I think finally... Uh, the the lies and misinformation have been exposed. is just that it gets increasingly desperate. I mean, I've heard, you know, net neutrality accused of pretty much everything but, you know, killing puppies in the past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, the yeah, Congress I think it's a direct link to
2: measles. <laughs> (laughs)
3: But uh, but you know otherwise uh, you know I think that people are really seeing through that and they understand you know they hate their cable company for a reason and they don't want to see them turn the internet into something that just looks like cable TV
2: and and to you know kind of do the full thread I mean in terms you talked about AT and T what really kind of sparked the the net neutrality debate was AT and T when in two thousand five its chairman said um, quote. Why should they be allowed to use my pipes? The internet can't be free in that sense because we and the cable companies have made an investment. And for Google or Yahoo or Vonage or anyone to expect to use these pipes for free is nuts. And um, they want to be able to charge at both ends of the pipe.
3: Yeah, it was. And it's so interesting that these guys continue to think of this as my pipes. You know, that's what Ed Whitaker said back in 2005. And they continue to operate that way, you know, which which, you know, shows you one thing, you know, what a problem we have with, with these guys not facing competition, because in an actual competitive market their incentives would be to serve their customers. And what those customers want is for them to just deliver what we ask for. We pay Netflix so we can get Netflix. We pay Comcast so we can get Netflix. Uh, Or whatever it is that we want. We want to be in charge of our own experience. We don't need the phone or cable company to decide for us which sites are going to work and which won't. We don't want them picking our movies for us. We don't want them picking... Uh, our, our you know services for us if these guys had their way, we would be locking in last generation technologies you know we'd be we'd all be stuck on AOL we'd be, have a real player uh, you know none of the great innovations that we now take for granted would have happened and that that's what I care about you know I'm sure Google can pay their way around these problems now, but there's somebody else out there right now coming up with a new idea, something that i'm going to think is indispensable two years from now. And I want them to have the same chance, and I don't want them to have to go to AT&T or Verizon for permission. AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, those guys are going to make tons of money. We pay them hundreds of dollars every month. In exchange for that, their only job is to deliver me what I've asked them to deliver, You know, not to get in the way, not to favor, not to pick and choose for me.
2: So um, tomorrow's vote. One, the Republicans are seeking delay. Two, I noticed that um, a Democratic commissioner, Clyburn, had some questions. Is it is it certain that Chairman um, Wheeler has three votes to approve the plan?
3: I'm very confident this vote is going to go forward tomorrow. Uh, I think that the the Republicans are doing a lot of posturing, um, and and that has been rejected. Um, And, you know, Commissioner Clyburn, you know, I think there was some reporting out yesterday. I think some of it was misreporting. The original story, you know, uh, made it sound like she was weakening these rules. You know, based on the information that I have, I think she's actually moving to strengthen these rules and has come out, you know, against them, including some very confusing language that's sort of left over from earlier parts of this debate um, to, to really streamline the approach. So based on everything I know, Uh, it it appears she's doing the right thing. You know, as always at the FCC, the devil is in the details. We're gonna have to pour over these footnotes. We're gonna have to make sure there aren't mistakes and flaws. Uh, but the most important thing they're doing, which is this Title II piece, That is what sets everything else up. If they get something wrong because of the Title II authority, we can fix it. If they left something out because of the Title II authority, we'll be able to petition and complain and ask them to take action against bad behavior. So that's really the bottom line. That's why this is such a tremendous victory. I have every confidence it will take place tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow morning, you know, uh, we're heading down there bright and early uh, uh, to, to be part of the meeting and to witness it, because uh, I think it really is uh, a, a historic day for everybody who cares about internet freedom.
2: Now, after the vote, Congress can override the vote, correct?
3: Uh, yeah, they can certainly try. Uh, and they, and they have tried to do so, so before. Does that require a
2: presidential signature? Or it just it would.
3: It, it would require a presidential signature. So there's a couple ways. So be, uh, a veto would that protect that? A veto would protect it, and and you know we've seen this happen before in 2010 with much weaker rules, much much, uh, you know seriously flawed rules. They passed in 2010. The House did indeed vote to overturn. Uh, those rules. Uh, it's something called a resolution of disapproval, very rarely, perhaps almost never used, um, but, it, but it did pass in the House, never never got through the Senate. Um, that'll be the test. They may try that route. Um, there's some very specific ways you have to do it. You can't attach things to the legislation. It's, uh, there's a certain time frame, but, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that move forward in the House. I don't know whether it would be picked up in the Senate. Uh, I have some degree of confidence that the president would veto such a bill, um, but we could see that fight. You know, We could see Congress start to mess with the FCC's funding. Um, that's another favorite tactic uh, uh, that they'll try to go after um, to stop the FCC from doing something, and they could stick that into all kinds of bills. So that, to that's problematic. Them
2: from, from spending any money. From enforcing, essentially. Yeah.
3: Exactly. Exactly. And, and the other thing that you could see, I mean, there is legislation floating around Capitol Hill. There was a hearing this morning in the House. Um, you know, again purely designed to sort of derail and disrupt the FCC's effort, but they will begin shopping pieces of legislation, they will try to peel off Democrats, there is going to be a big fight in Congress. So that's the next thing. We have to be vigilant. You know, we maybe get one day to celebrate and then we have to be right back at it. But I think after this vote happens, we will be in a much different place, a much different political situation. We'll have the reality of actual good policy on the books for the first time in a long time. Uh, That carries its own momentum and weight. And I think we have an opportunity to show to Congress, as we've done to the FCC in this net neutrality fight, as we did in fights over the SOPA PIPA web censorship bills, that the Internet is something you don't. Don't want to mess with um, it, because it has serious political ramifications. I think that's the next phase of this fight. It starts in Congress. It carries into the you know forthcoming elections. There'll be court battles too. Um, but it's it's a much different position, and I think, frankly, a winning position that this can actually be protected. But it doesn't mean that Congress won't try to do it. I mean, you can look today in the House. There was a hearing this morning. You know, you look at the FCC by the most conservative estimates. Three out of every four comments to the FCC support this Title II approach, support net neutrality. Uh, when Congress has a hearing on the issue, three out of four witnesses are against net neutrality. So right. yeah. you can yeah. sort of see how out of touch they are. Um, but as an activist, as a campaigner, I sort of relish the fight in Congress because, you know, people understand it's hard to get people to care about the Federal Communications Commission. They really yeah. understand that Congress is supposed to work for them, and then they'll hold them to account.
2: And that you guys have a website, um, savetheinternet.com, and it actually has a countdown, it has background on the issue and a countdown to the uh, FCC meeting, which is now 20 hours and some 58 minutes away. And um, so I encourage people to check this out. Now, the, the last argument I wanted to address is, is the argument that, you know, and you mentioned that ultimately you think the politics are, are in your favor, but the, um, the issue... Um, It also plays well to Republican base who claim that this is Obama taking over the Internet.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I think that, you know, I mean, the president took a very strong position here uh, to his credit. um, And, and, you know, that really did sort of upend this debate and get things moving in the right direction. But to be clear, there's nothing in these rules that has anything to do with Internet content. Um, you know they, they don't th- threaten free expression on the internet any more than the FCC having rules do, to do with phone service tell you what you can say on the phone. Uh, you know it has it simply become uh, you know it's, it's politics, and there are a lot of Republicans that think if they can use. Uh, Obama's name and attach it to a policy, they can rally a lot of people against that policy. But I, I think in this case, they're making a really big mistake. Uh, you know, the fact is we're going to have rules Uh, that govern the internet and internet service providers. And, And really the only question that matters is, who are those rules gonna benefit? Are they just gonna benefit two or three big companies, or are they gonna benefit internet users everywhere? And I think the president deserves credit for stepping forward and saying, no, this time, we're actually gonna take the path that has the greatest public benefit um, and, and I think that's what the FCC is going to do tomorrow. And all this parade of horribles uh, that has been uh, put forward by opponents of net neutrality, you know, will we'll really be I- exposed for what it is, you know, uh, fear mongering and disinformation.
2: Well, I, I want to thank you for you know, coming on on such short notice. Um, and if people want to learn more about free press and this issue, where do you recommend they go?
3: Uh, They should definitely check out freepress.net. Also, as you mentioned, savetheinternet.com. Lots of resources and information, easy ways to connect to your elected officials. Let them know that you care about this issue of net neutrality. And pages and pages of pages of debunking uh, those misinformation and lies that we're seeing in recent days. So I hope people will check out freepress.net. Sign up. We'll send you an occasional email, and uh, definitely let us know what you think.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. You guys have been great friends of the show, and uh, you've done great work on this issue. You should be very proud tomorrow, and uh, let's hope the vote goes the way it looks.
3: Yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, We're going to have a big party either way, and if it goes the wrong way, we'll have to turn it into a protest march.
2: There you go. We'll have a few drinks on the way too. (laughs) But thank you again, and uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have more on this issue and other developments in in Cyber Law. You're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm.
1: Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors.
4: Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com. From Feature Story News in London, I'm Dan Whitehead. Rights charity Amnesty International says the five permanent members of the UN Security Council should give up their veto powers in cases where atrocities are being committed. The UK-based charity's annual report is fiercely critical of the global response to a series of crises in 2014. Olly Barrett reports from London. Amnesty says the UN miserably failed to protect civilians in 2014 and accuses the Security Council's permanent members, the UK, China, France, Russia and the US, of promoting self-interest instead. It says if their powers of veto had already been given up, it would have prevented Russia repeatedly blocking UN action over violence in Syria. Amnesty's report also claims wealthy nations have taken an
5: abhorrent... InternetMarketingInc.com is one of the fastest-growing full-service digital marketing agencies in the country, specializing in providing results-driven online marketing solutions. Internet Marketing Inc.'s passionate team prides themselves on staying ahead of marketing trends, to create and implement campaigns that get more traffic to your website, gain positive brand awareness, and drive conversions. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Introducing Rumble. The best gavel-to-gavel legal
1: news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And
2: we're back, and um, thanks again to Free Press for stepping in and giving us that update on that neutrality. And um, without, I didn't need to do any disclosure. It's quite clear what what my view is. Um, I think this is a very important issue. And uh, I was one of the some 3 or 4 million people who actually submitted comments uh, on the issue. And I encourage you to go to our blog, which is um, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. We have background on the issue, um, including some of the things you might want to check out. There's actually a Congressional Research Service report. And what Congressional Research Service is, is they are – about an arm of Congress that provides research and background information to congressmen so they can understand issues. So, if it's written so a congressman can understand it, clearly it's written so you can understand it as well. And um, so, they just came up with an updated uh, report on in February on access to broadband networks, the network net neutrality debate. So, it kind of gives you a fair history of the issue. Um, in addition, on um, we I put together a timeline of really how we got here that's available through our blog, and um, so I encourage you to check that out. Um, you know, Free Press. I thank again. And one point, I mentioned on the whole Mark Cuban statement. Um, in response to that, actually, uh, a coalition of ent- internet entrepreneurs um, actually submitted uh, a, a comment to the FT- FCC. In response, saying, "Hey, um, we are internet entrepreneurs, and um, you know, Mark Cuban does not speak for us." And it was the names just go on and on and on in terms of the people um, you know who have submit, signed on to that letter. So that's an important development. So we will be keeping you up to date on this uh, on this issue as it develops. Um, it's already been stated that there will be a court challenge to the rule. Um, so the next you know, steps are going to be. A court challenge, which, which if there's any decision, it won't be probably till won't be argued until sometime next year. If it didn't, then there's a decision next year. Who knows? Um, clearly, um, the election could have an impact because if uh, Republicans win the presidential election, they might put a new FCC chairman who might then reverse the rule or maybe reluctant, you know, be reluctant in terms of enforcing it. Um, there's also legislation pending in Congress to kind of create a hybrid net neutrality rule. It doesn't quite go as far as what um, the chairman is proposing um, to vote on tomorrow. So um, there are any there are a number of ways this issue will be engaged over the next few months, from uh, a congressional vote to override, and, and which also also make take the shape as we discussed as a, a battle over the FCC's budget putting um, riders that restrict its ability to use money to enforce the rule or do anything further to promulgate on the rule so those are all things that are going to be happening of course any rider like that would have to be signed by the president um, the republicans do not have a veto proof majority so um, if they, um, president obama is likely to veto any such restriction and um... You know, as you heard you know there were there were some i forget what it was three or four million comments submitted most of them largely favorable um, to net neutrality and, and when you saw the big outpouring that happened after SOPA I, I think you know, there may be some good politics in, for the Republicans in pushing this issue to you know gin up their base um, but ultimately if, if, the, if this results in a government shutdown over net neutrality I, I have to think that's an issue they lose um, I think given the strong support that exists on net neutrality now, granted, they may try to create some sense of disinformation, um, you know, using some of the things that we talked about earlier um, in terms of, is this Obama taking over the Internet or Obamacare for the Internet, you know, and um, frame the debate as, uh, in some other non-substantive way. Um, but ultimately, this has broad public support. It when you have, you know, Internet companies that have grown because of net neutrality, and Netflix in particular – um, being extremely popular. I mean if you're if you're messing with <laughs> house of cards, um you're messing with a lot of people. And so the politics of this uh, opposing net neutrality do not seem as promising as they once did. So uh, I think that's it's going to be interesting to watch, but we'll keep you posted. We've had a number of you know shows on this in the past and I guarantee you will have other shows in the future. Um we do have some other issues we we want to update you on that have been going on in the land of cyberspace. Um, the first is, of course, with the Academy Awards, um, the documentary for Best... Um, excuse me, the Academy Award for Best Documentary went to Citizen Four, the um, the documentary by Edwin Snowden. And we have a, a trailer on that, about it on our blog. And um, so clearly, uh, the NSA could not have been happier, very happy about that. And it comes as the NSA... Surprise, surprise, once again, is in the news. Um, And they've um, been caught. uh, A study has found that they have used installed spyware in the hard drives of um, computers manufactured by Western Digital, Seagate, Toshiba, IBM, Micron, Samsung, and other drive makers, as well as they've been hacking and accessing SIM cards and cell phones. Um, Just this week, the NSA chief... Admiral Michael Rogers responded with this convincing denial. He said, quote, Clearly I'm not going to get into the specifics of allegations, but the point I would make is we fully comply with the law. I'm not going to chase every allegation out there. I don't have time. Um, so quite convincing. I'm sure you all feel much better now hearing that. Um, I think the NSA is very tone deaf on this issue. And coming just days after the Oscar for Citizen Four, um, may not be good politics Uh, another issue there's some interesting developments has been the issue of revenge porn and we've covered this issue as well quite extensively and there are uh, two interesting developments one is Hunter Moore who is the so-called king of revenge porn whose website anyone up was one of the leading ones um, has indicated uh, reports are that he will plead guilty to federal hacking and um, identity theft charges and will face up to seven years in prison Um, so that is a major development in that front. Um, and so, of course, some people have wondered whether um, he will be himself a victim of revenge porn and during his days in prison. Um, interestingly also, Craig Breton, uh, or Bertain, I guess, he recently um, entered a consent decree with the FTC shutting down his revenge porn site, Anybody Down, which clearly was playing on Hunter Moore's Anyone Up. Um and we destroy the pictures and you know for never, ever more, never engage in revenge porn, um, has actually submitted takedown notices to Google and uh, for a bunch of other sites, trying to take down all references to the settlement, including um, a request to take down the FTC's own press release. So um, speaking of tone deaf, nothing could be more tone deaf than that. And he um, also has sent one to our good friend Ken White over at Popat, um, and as if you're, anyone who is familiar with Popat knows, they are quite good at excoriating people, um, hi- hypocrites, and um, I think they're going to have a good time on this one. So those are um, some interesting issues going on. In addition, um, one issue we're going to be covering in the future is the, the Americans with Disabilities Act, we, we tend to think of as handicap ramps for steers and other things. But it actually does apply in cyberspace. Um, there was a landmark settlement brought by the, I think it's the American Federation for the Blind um, to um, make, to require sites to take some measures to, to increase accessibility to certain websites for the visually impaired. And now um, it's the hearing impaired who are stepping forward, and they've actually sued both Harvard and MIT over online um, courses and um, to, to make take steps to make them better for the hearing impaired. And we're going to be having a, a future segment talking about um, how does a website comply um, with ADA and, and what really is required to, to address, when, do you, when are you required to address, and what is required to address um, issues raised uh, to um, accommodate you know, visually hearing impaired, et cetera um so it's a interesting development we will keep you posted on going further and um we also will have a few shout outs um but i know we uh probably need to take one more break brasco is this a good time yes please okay so we're going to take a short break and we come back we'll have our final segment and with shout outs and some, we have some good news of some great um, friends of the show. And so we'll be back after these messages. You're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned for more of the
1: Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our
5: sponsors. Internet marketing ninjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet marketing ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, panda and penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link related issues. The Internet marketing ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet marketing Nin- Ninjas Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketing ninjas.com.
4: Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix.
1: the best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyberlaw and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm.
2: We're back. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report. This is Bennett Kelly, and uh, we do have some, some happy news to report. Um, one of our good friends of the show over the years has been Jane Hitchcock, who is uh, the founder of Working to Halt Online Abuse. Um, it's a great website, um, woe.org, and um, it, they're a leading advocate for victims of cyber harassment. And they actually pre- compile um, statistics on cyber cyber harassment and have a directory of lawyers um, to serve you on cyber harassment. And, of course, um, I'm on that list, and, and I've been happy to serve a number of people um, there. But Jane has recently been named the um, 2015 M A A W G Mary L- L- Linsky Award, um, and that is offered by the. Um, um, it is offered for her efforts in assisting, targeting uh, individuals, training law enforcement, supporting anti-harassment legislation, and teaching teenagers how to protect themselves from potential threats. Um, it's a lifetime achievement for her work as co-founder of WO and in aiding thousands of online victims. And it was presented by the Messaging Malware Mobile Anti-Abuse Working Group. Um, that's a mouthful. That's why the acronym, um, it's N-Cubed, A-A-W-G, um, at their annual meeting last week in San Francisco. And it says, um, the press release goes on, Hitchcock has become an anti-abuse advocate um, dating back to 1996 when a scammer targeted her. With threatening emails and posting defaming messages in her name after she exposed a fraudulent publishing scheme on a Usenet message board, and she since has worked extensively with law enforcement, uh, and she's testified in support of the first email cyber stalking bill passed in 1998, and either has helped draft or supported legislative efforts establishing online harassment as a crime in 20 states. Um, she's publisher of the book um, True Crime Online, which she talked about on our show. So. Um, congratulations to Jane. Um, it's a well earned Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, in addition, there's um, I want to give a shout out to JV and Natasha Yee in San Francisco. Um, JV is a radio personality, and uh, Natasha Yee is his wife, uh, a model and internet entrepreneur. And they've launched a GoFundMe campaign for a 12 year old cancer victim, Aaron Man- Man- Manriquez, uh, who's a fan of JV's radio show. And uh, if you go to the GoFundMe page, he's just a wonderful kid. Um, but unfortunately, the um, his battle, his prolonged battle with cancer, has put a, a great strain on his family, and having they're struggling uh, under the weight of the bills. And so, um, in response, JV and Natasha um, launched the GoFundMe campaign, and you know, just hats off to them for it. Um, they've raised over thirty-three thousand, close to thirty-three thousand dollars so far. So I encourage you to. This also is on our blog, and I encourage you to check out the um, GoFundMe campaign. And um, for Aaron, um, he seems like a really great kid, and um, so check it out. If you're inclined to, you know, if you have some free cash, you could give that would be wonderful. And then even if you can't, if you can just give a shout out to um, at Natasha Yi on Twitter and just say you know, give him thanks for doing a. A really good deed on the internet. Um, we need more of that. That's for sure. Um, tomorrow, one upcoming event, um, February 28th, will be the. Um, um, on February 28th will be um, the anniversary of the date that Congress took over the District of Columbia. And uh, two years ago, we actually had um, Con- District of Columbia's representative of Congress. Uh, Eleanor Holmes Norton on to talk about the importance of that day because from that point forward the District of Columbia has had no representation, no voting rights, no nothing in Congress and actually it wasn't until the 70s that they were able to vote in presidential elections and so here we are so many years after the Boston Tea Party, so many years after um, the Declaration of Independence and they are, you know, becoming a nation, we still have a colony right in our backyard. And um, it has been um, denounced um, as a human rights violation by both the UN and the Organization of American States Human Rights Commission um, and it just but surprisingly doesn't seem any interest or will in addressing this um, historical anomaly really and so I encourage you to check out um, our, our past um, report uh, on this with Eleanor Holmes Norton um, you know it's available on our blog or you can listen at any one of the places where we're distributed, you know, from iTunes to Stitcher to TuneIn, etc., and, um, and just give it some thought. I mean, how do you feel about the fact that, um, you know, half a million or more people have no representation in Congress, that they're sending children to war uh, on wars they can't vote on, that their rights are established by, Cong- um, by Supreme Court justices they can't ratify, and, uh, and, but still they're paying taxes without representation. You know, it just doesn't seem right. And uh, so um, February 28th is a very somber day in the nation's capital. And um, one other thing uh, on February 28th is it will be the 29th anniversary of the murder of Olaf Palma. He was the prime minister of Sweden. And shockingly, um, his assassination, there has been no... um, No one has been found. It is an unsolved murder. And um, so... I encourage you you know it's just an interesting story actually there and there's some allegations that maybe he was assassinated because of um he was gonna expose certain arms trade you know, with Sweden and Iran. But um any event that's um all we have for today. We only have a few minutes left. I wanna um again congratulate um Jane Hitchcock and Natasha Yi um for their good work and well deserved praise. I want to thank our guest, Craig Aaron, for coming on on short notice and I want to congratulate Free Press for all the work they've done on net neutrality. It's a very important issue. And so, um, this is Ben and Kelly. You're in quarters adjourned. Um, check out our blog again, cyberlawradio.wordpress for information on, on the show and also check out internetlawcenter.net. Um, we've we been in this space for close to a decade now and um, we are I think, one of the leading firms on cyber law. And so, uh, we're happy to be of service to you. So InternetLawCenter.net, this is Bennett Kelly. Um, join us next week, same place, same time, Cyber Law and Business Report. Cheers. Cheers.
5: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.
2: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working...